Welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. I am your host, Adam Dash. And today we are joined by someone who I've been following since I was in high school, one of my favorite artists who has the most amazing references, which I will talk about this as we go on. Yeah. But Ben Beal, welcome to the Sound Centric Podcast. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm hyped to be here. Let's get right into it. The way we start is that we like to highlight how we're feeling the week by choosing a playlist title of the week, which is usually just a song that would highlight that playlist. So to give you a little bit of time to think, I'll tell you mine first. Um, mine's going to be Kareem Liddell, um, his song Wasteland. I think you'd actually love Kareem. Very like similar style to you. And like he's a monotone but amazing voice, kind of like Boldy James type stuff. I, I was and about yeah. to say, if it, the the second I heard the, the monotone buzzword, it's... Boldy James Boldy. is the king of monotone right now. and bro, The new album is so good. Bro, he's, and Nick- he's special. And he gets a lot of controversy for being that very... It, like, his affect is flat, but he is so fucking genius with his, his writing, his flow it's choices. It, it completely outclasses the monotone. But I think it's, it's just one big bundle that works. And yeah. I, I love Boldy. A, a lot of rappers in that lane are... are getting their shine finally and it's cool to see you know more niche like lo-fi sample based rap you know kind of poking through because it's it's getting overshadowed by a lot of other raps uh, like subcategories it's not even just like the punchlines i just love his phrasing like it's such a specific way of saying things he's a Um, poet dude like some some of his lines cut it's deep but uh kareem also released a music video so shout out to kareem really love the song yeah you gotta put me on yeah but then how are we feeling what's highlighting your playlist this week Oh, dude, I, uh, I've been I've been listening to a lot of rap recently, but I, I got to show love to my boy Haji Gaviota. Um, I've been craving a vacation. I've been craving some other form of sun other than the L.A. dry heat out here. Um, he just dropped a song called Fiji. Um, it's been in constant rotation, and it's making me want to, you know, go to an island. <laughs> so, yeah, got to show love to Haji, um, amazing artist, um, representing Greece with, with every... Uh, Every catchy hook. So yeah, Fiji by Haji Gaviota. Hey, shout out Haji. Well, to get into things, I wanted to start out with a few different rankings. Kind of rankings, kind of debate. So the first question is, because I saw this on Twitter and I was really thinking about it. As an artist, would you rather be coming up in the 2000 CD era of like selling CDs at your car or the blog era? So kind of like the Mac Miller, Logic, J. Cole come up, SoundCloud era, which is what you came up in. Mm-hmm. Or, and I'm assuming this will not be the answer and will be last ranked, the TikTok era of being an artist. <laughs> I have like, I have very strong opinions on this, especially because I witnessed everything in real time. And if I could do mm-hmm. it all over again, um, I wish I was, uh, you know, a couple years younger than I am currently in like 2008, 2009 um, with, with the, the talent I have now because... I saw the impact the blog era had on releasing so music. Sick. It was so much more for the love of the art. And um, the, the way it worked was artists would drop mixtapes instead of, you know, dropping songs that were editorial driven. And, yeah. you know, a, a lot of artists now are only dropping singles to try to get Spotify playlists and, you know, get their get their quick streaming bag. But the thing I really admired about the blog era was artists like Wiz Khalifa, Mac Miller, J. Cole, even artists like Lil Wayne, who yeah. understood the the impact that free music had on their fan base, it's like giving a gift to your fans. Awesome. Um, it's I, I saw their come ups in real time, and it felt like whenever I would download a mixtape from Dat Piff, I was part of that journey. There it is, yeah. Like 
Mac Miller did this really cool thing when he first started to pop off. So like um, this was before Blue Slide Park dropped his debut album. Mm-hmm. It was So it was after Best Day Ever. Um, he was doing this thing called Road to a Million where um, every 100,000 followers he got on Twitter, he'd drop a single and then he mm-hmm. promised a special mixtape at a million followers. And dude, the the amount of excitement me and all my friends had and like my high school was buzzing. Everyone was so excited. It's we sick. would check his Twitter every day to see where he was. There's no excitement like that anymore. I haven't seen anything like it. Um, it, it just felt like we were there for the beginning stages and growing with him. That's mm-hmm. also another reason why I've always had like a special connection with Mac Miller. I feel like I was I was there from the start and yeah. I was like 12 when I found him, still listening to him daily. So um, the, the thing about the blog era that was just incredible was just like there was never a lack of free good music. Artists were rapping on industry beats like Lil Wayne fucking rapped on Rolling in the Deep by Adele and it was the greatest song I've ever heard Sick. at the time. <laughs> um, if a blog picked you up and posted you, Hundreds of thousands of kids in, in um, you know, middle, high school, college, they were checking blogs every day. It was, social media wasn't as powerful and the music blogs were dictating what was popping and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I saw artists have their life changed, life changed because like good music all day would post their, their mixtape. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was day. in, I was in like ninth or 10th grade and I, I dropped a song called A Year for New Year's and good music all day posted it. Um, the next day on SoundCloud had- ever. Bro, it had 200,000 streams the next day. Uh, you know, like, the the organic engagement was insane. It, it's not algorithmic. It's, it's like, care packages yeah. um, directly to the, the fans. So um, the there's nothing like that impact. It was super organic. Now with, like, TikTok, it's all algorithmic. It's passive yeah, it viewership. Sucks. And you're, literally the only goal is to try to convert it to streams. Like, you're not going to get fans on, on TikTok unless you – get injured or embarrass yourself you can't just lip sync <laughs> yeah. music anymore and people find it there's too many talented artists now everyone can make music it's so accessible but yeah. back in like 2009 2010 when it, it was before the home studio era it was like artists were were getting shots that you know you don't get now and it's yeah. now you have to be everything you have to be a video editor you have to be it's a creative director you have to be <clears throat> the artist it's it's too much it's you know, not feasible. I suck at making content, so I personally fucking hate it. Uh, the The blog era is definitely my choice. Yeah, there's a different type of creativity during the blog era. And I was, so I'm four years younger than you, so I was just listening to whatever my brothers put on my iPod. But at the time, there's people like J. Cole was going on a tour called the Dollar and a Dream Tour where he's only doing shows for $1. And there's a different, there was a sense of knowing how important building the fan base was over how much money you can make in the short term which yeah. I think was very much appreciated. I mean, the first person I remember falling in love with, besides like the, the frat rap I grew up on, was Chance the Rapper. And this 10 Day coming out, then like I, my brother was at Lehigh and I remember him performing at Lehigh and begging my mom, like, please let me go. And she's like, you're 13. You're not seeing your brother. <laughs> you're not Chance going to rapper. college. Yeah, um, but yeah it, no, I, that was, that was a, a moment in time I, I definitely remember fondly. Like the, the, when Chance was still good, it was... Absolutely incredible to see his. I got I got faith in my man. He's he's gonna bounce back. Let's pray. I mean, somewhere in there, that suspended high school kid's still there. But um, you (laughs) know, I've had too many artists that I've lost faith in over the years, and uh, now like like I said, there's so much music. I can't just you know blindly wait for a good song. You'd have to impress me. 
Yeah, I can give you a rant <laughs> after this about a specific artist that upsets me currently with his output. But to get I, I into think our, I know who it is. I think I could tell. <laughs> to I, get I, into could, our, I can make a, a ballpark guess. To get into our next ranking, um, this is it's definitely the top three artists of all time. This could be my favorite artist of time. I always say it's J. Cole, but it could be this man. I know it's your favorite artist of all time, Mac Miller. Can you give me your top four Mac Miller albums? And I know my answer is literally dependent on the day but I'm going to try to give what I think my general ranking is, but what is your ranking? It changes often because it literally changes with the seasons, like depending on my mood. But number one is Faces, hands down. It's, you know, like a perfect album. It's so raw. He it's produced amazing. a lot of the songs. Um, the the lyrics were much less about the fun he was having as, you know, a, a child celebrity that just became a huge star. It was more like the internal struggles he was facing every day and, it was weird. It was gritty. Uh, the features were incredible. He was having Schoolboy Q on the album just to chirp in the court. Like Miller, Miller, Mac. He was having Mac, so Miller, much fun, Mac. but you could also tell he was going through it. And I relate to that mm-hmm. heavy. Um, I, you know, there are days where I'm having so much fun making music, and there are days where it's fucking awful. And if I had a bad day, it shows my music. And it seems like you could tell everything he was feeling at the time. Yeah. Fucking love faces. Highly recommend listening front to back. And the bonus songs they just dropped are incredible too. Amazing. Number two, um, I'm going to have to go Good AM. It was, it's not a lot of people's favorite Mac Miller album. Um, it's his best I rapping. have, it's, dude, it's like rapping, like lyrically. The, the reason why I love it so much is because you could tell he was, you know, fighting for a spot as one of the biggest artist in the world like he wanted to have a successful radio album um yeah. just one that breaks into the top 40 and he did that he ended up having you know big hits Two on top it. songs yeah 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 but uh he wraps his ass off the songs are fucking incredible his hooks were great it just sounded very developed and as like a mac miller fan that's been listening to him forever like i, I listened to him for literally like 10 years at that point it's was so cool to hear his maturity like it felt like the the pinnacle of mac yeah. And the songs were amazing. And then me and my friends got to see him live on that tour, which was super special. It was such a good fucking show. Um, first time I've ever been in the same room as Mac Miller. And it, bro, like Chief Key feature, are you kidding me? Crazy. <laughs> it's an ama- amazing album. Um, three would have to be Kids. There's nothing like it. It's just mm-hmm. the moment in time for me. I was... I heard it for the first time at summer camp. I was 12. So 12 or 13. I, w- I was super young when I heard it. Yeah. Super impressionable. It is the reason I started smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought he was like one of the coolest people ever. Yeah. Really, really fucked with the passion and the, the energy. Um, the imagery of just like, you know, it, it, it's a, it, it feels like a lightning in the bottle type album where it, it teleports you back to that that time you heard it for the first time so mm-hmm. still in constant rotation and it's just nostalgic it just feels like yeah. um you know at camp hearing it for the first time every time that's favorite song on it's uh la 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 which they didn't end up putting on the album it's probably sample clearance but it's dude it, it just feels like a new york summer even though it's definitely yeah. a pittsburgh album <laughs> It, I don't know. It, it's amazing. And then fourth, I'd have to say, watch movies with the sound off. Phenomenal. The reason why I don't put swimming and circles up there, even though they're 
you know, tens in my opinion are because I, I've had a lot of time to sit with the other albums and yeah, understandable. You know, I, I grew up with them. They're super pivotal in my music career and just in my personal growth. But uh, I didn't listen to Swimming for a full year and a half after it dropped because I was I didn't listen to it when it came out for some reason. I listened to a couple songs, um, but I was kind of just like pigeonholed in a specific you know niche of music I was listening to at the time just never got around to it yeah uh but then he died and I was too sad to to listen to it understandable yeah, yeah. that was I, I know where I was when it happened and yeah I didn't leave my room for like two weeks it was yeah cry, terrible cried to my mom and now my mom's like oh my god I love that guy when I'm playing the NPR tiny desk yeah and, dude my dad loves Mac Miller never never gave him the light of day when I was yeah. listening to him as a kid but um Mac is someone who's proven himself as an artist. It's he's not just yeah he's not just a rapper. He's he, I think he's the real deal. Like besides Kanye and maybe Tyler now, I think he has like the best dis- current discography. Like I think his discography is insane. That everyone he doesn't really ranking. have a miss. It's he, in, like, he's just so consistent throughout his whole career. Um, I love Mac, man. I, I really a lot of people compare me to him. It's the biggest compliment ever. A lot of people yeah. Feel like I'm I'm purposely biting him and disrespecting his legacy by sounding similar, but That's you know, stupid. you hear my voice. It's we're dude, we're just two white Jews from Jewish a suburb guys. outside <laughs> of major city, uh, and he is a huge influence of mine. I listen to his songs so much to the point where um, certain flows and and rhyme schemes and you know like it sticks with you. Like every yeah. influence should, um, but it's a huge compliment. I'm such a big Mac fan. Yeah, he's the, he's the GOAT. Um, my ranking quickly, my one, I'm going to go the poster behind me if you can see it. I'm going to go swimming. Uh, that was the hardest time in my life when that came out, and it was my favorite album, and it's remained. And thankfully, sometimes music, if you listen to it during a bad time, it's hard to revisit that album because like it just yeah. brings you back to that time. Thankfully, it's standed the test of time for me. That, like I can still listen to it and not be like, oh, this is making me depressed. But swimming was just so important to me. Uh, number two, I'm going to go Faces. I think Faces is so influential in my rapping style. Like the ad-libs I use, like Friends might be my favorite song on the album, which is a weird choice because it's just like a seven-minute him rapping. But I just like love the ad-libs that are going on in the background along with his like funny-ass lines. I rapped over like so much. Diablo was like the third song I ever dropped was over Diablo. And the the beats are insane. The rap is insane. The features, Vince Staples, that song. That might be the hardest beat ever, uh, New Faces. And that shit, it's so good. Um, number three. I mean, it's it's hard to fail when, like, your best friends are all the biggest artists in, yeah, in the, it helps. the rap. I mean, dude, like, Thundercat's a human cheat code. If you make music with Thundercat, it's automatically incredible. Um, you know, I, just, I, I met Thundercat a couple times out here, and... How's that? He exudes this energy that I've never felt <laughs> around another human being. Like, th- there's something about him that's... Just screams like classic musician. He's he's so cool, but like I said, human cheat code. He's yeah. he's the, the best bassist alive. He's fucking incredible. I saw a story the other day that I didn't know that when Mac was filming his tiny desk, that Thundercat was in like Japan or something, or mm-hmm. like he was in Europe and like canceled a bunch of concerts just to do the video, which yep. is just like such a cool story to hear. And like how what a great moment! Like he's probably so thankful that he came home and it's did friendship. That. Yeah, real friendship. That off the music industry, you hear about it not being always real people, but like that's 
We could talk about Mac forever. I don't want this just to be Mac being Mac. a real person in the music industry was his downfall, unfortunately. He, meet, he put so many people on. Um, but yeah. number three, I'm going to go Good I Am. I think that's his best, like, skill rapping. Like, he was just clean, and he was just – I was listening to the whole album today. Like, Break the Law when I'm in the gym is just, like, my favorite shit. Get huh. – I wake up with the taste of pussy. Um, and number four, this album is just my whole freshman year of college, especially when I was um, – just my second semester, Circles. Was just so. It's actually. I literally can't listen to it now because it reminds me of college and I just graduated and it makes me way too sad. I'm like, I can picture myself walking in the winter, like to different like, seniors' houses in the fraternity, and I was like, it's it's hard for me. Yeah, it's that. That's a. I mean, the thing about Mac was he. The, something about each one of his albums, it's like a place in time. It's like. Yeah. It circles came out. I sat with it for like a year, and then it already felt nostalgic after a year like it's it's ridiculous he's super sad he's gone but really glad that he was able to you know put out such a monumental discography in his time that he was here bro he got famous when he was a junior in high school like it's insane the fact that he had that output and consistency his entire career is like he made, remarkable he made dang at 25 like how what the f- how probably made faces at <laughs> at 22 20, 21 or 23 that makes me feel shitty uh, <laughs> to get to get into your music, which is why we're here, because you're amazing. So you started a new series recently that could have been since 2023, want to make sure, but looking at Bird's Experiment, that you've been dropping a new song every week, which is such an amazing idea, especially as an indie artist. Sometimes people shelf stuff for too long. I think it sucks, but you have to be putting yourself out there as an indie artist, and dropping weekly is perfect. What went into your thought process for why you did this? And I know you posted a tweet about the results today. But tell me about the results that you've been seeing from that. Looking at birds is like the most fun I've had with music since I started. I swear to God, it's so it, it was not something I set out to do. It was something that kind of materialized when I signed a deal with Twitch and I had to live stream making music. It was, you know, pretty tedious to get on camera for 60 hours a month and um, literally just make music because I was signed to the music department. Um, so I was thinking of ways I could make it more fun and interactive. And the, the thing about streaming is you're just looking for any way to kill the time. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, you're just on camera in front of a lot of people. It's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot of pressure. Um, but one thing I've always been good at is making music quickly and making, making it at least listenable. Um, so what I did was. I was making songs from scratch. I was making the beat. We like something cool I was doing with my Twitch chat was we were listening to records that I'd pick out and then mm-hmm. we'd find samples together. Everyone would tell me like, oh, yo, that's this awesome. is the one. It's like rhythm roulette. That's exactly, sick. exactly. Um and I've all I'm a really solid producer. I've always been doing stuff like that where yeah. flipping records, um, getting dollar bin records and finding samples, mm-hmm. making, you know, something out of nothing. Uh I'd make the beat from scratch with the Twitch chat, they'd see the entire process of how I do it. Then I'd record on it, same stream, full song would be done within two hours. And, you know, it's a lot of people think that making something really quickly kills the chances of it, you know, being that's not true. Yeah. As impactful as something that takes weeks to do. But the reason why I built, like, I guess the the recipe that I followed when I was younger coming up on SoundCloud was I wasn't overthinking anything. I was Mm -hmm. just laying down my feelings on on 
good production and I wasn't considering this song will stream well or this song will get an editorial. It was more so like super proud of this, putting it out. I'll, I'll sit on it after it's mm -hmm. out and other people could sit with it. So it's in its rawest form, like for sure. It's, I'm not an engineer. I suck at mixing yeah. and mastering. So a lot of the songs are rough. It's the worst process. But I feel like it, it feels raw. It feels, it feels as authentic as possible. A lot of my fans were there when I made the music. So what I would do is I'd finish the song on stream and then schedule it in the same stream, like schedule mm -hmm. it for distribution um, through Two Lost. And it was it, it started as this thing where every two weeks I'd have a Looking at Bird song drop and it was cool because the fans were like, oh shit, I've, I remember when you made yeah. this, like they'd post about it. But then the, some of the songs started to like actually move and do numbers and uh, I started getting a lot more texts from my friends. Like, I don't want to be a dick, but looking at birds is sounding better than a lot of your recent releases in your actual catalog. Yeah. And that may seem like an insult, but it's, no, it's not I'm still all. looking at birds too. So yeah, it's not like they're saying my, my main shit's bad. I, I was just like, interesting. Cause I'm trying less hard. I'm not overthinking. I'm not being political about how this is going to perform on streaming. Um, I'm having fun doing it. Like it's it's a cool project, and looking at birds is a hard ass name. I fucking love it. So, a good name. what I started to do was I started to schedule music, just stack my release schedule, get um, get as much as I can on the schedule, so that I had a consistent, mm. you know, output being dropped. And it got to this point where I had like four months of music scheduled, and every every That's Friday there's another song coming out. I didn't like. It is an experiment, but I didn't start this as like, like I didn't do this to test the algorithm and see what happens. Like literally just happened naturally and organically mm -hmm. and it's doing really well and I'm super proud of the music. It gives me a separate space to be experimental and try what works and what doesn't. Um, it's And it's going great. I, I love it. The music's really good. I could drop shit I'm usually not doing so. Um, it's, yeah. it's popping off. It's every day. It goes up another few hundred monthly listeners on Spotify. Um, my song Otani is going crazy. Don't know how it's, it's going crazy. It's, I don't promote anything, but <laughs> having so much fun doing it, it's, yeah, it's, it's just like one of my brain children. Yeah. And I think the bit, the, I think the biggest part, and you said, mentioned this, but like, it's the fact that the fans feel like they were a part of making the song, for which sure. is like why like even if the song wasn't necessarily your best song because they felt like they were a part of it, it's what makes them feel like I have an actual connection to the song. Like, oh my God, that's the, I suggested that reference to Ben. Like, that's so cool that he, he plays that in his song. And you're doing real fan building. That's so important. It's cool. It's like, I, I really like seeing the, it's an instant gratification thing too. Like I love having music drop every week. Um, love seeing what works and what doesn't. But it's fun for everyone. Do you, and good music's good music. People are going to find it if it if it hits, and that that's exactly what's happening. Do you have an opinion as an indie artist on whether people should drop Fridays or should they drop like on a Tuesday and not deal with that competition of mainstream people? You know, I, my answer would have been a lot different a couple months ago, but looking at birds has taught me it doesn't fucking matter. I, you know, I'm an A and R manager for Two Loss. I oversee a lot of big artist releases and sign a lot of big projects and. Um, you know, separate conversation, but uh, yeah. 
everyone is told drop Friday, you'll hit algorithm on the first day and your song will get like, you know, release radar and discover weekly, the two algorithmic drivers of mm-hmm. Spotify streams, whatever. Spotify doesn't even pay the most money. I don't know why it's the most important thing ever. It's just hey, that's everyone should be focused title. on just building a good catalog because that's what all my favorite artists did in the blog era. They were just putting out good music and stood the test of time. Um, I will say, though, in terms of like best practices and optimizing your releases, um, it doesn't matter. It, like I've had really successful releases dropped on a Tuesday or a Thursday or even a Sunday. Yeah. Come the next Friday, you're still going to get those algorithmic pla- placements, but... Your goal shouldn't be algorithm. It should be reaching real fans. And the only way you could do that is by dropping good music, making, you know, meaningful content, not just lip syncing videos, which is what I've tried a million times and it doesn't fucking work. It's Um, so uncomfortable. Yeah, just you... Every art... I I encourage, like, every independent artist to, like, just have fun with it. Just stop thinking about the streams. If if you make good music, people are going to find it. I've... All my biggest songs were scheduled one day in advance <laughs> like, like it's it doesn't matter like kenny beat says don't overthink shit exactly which is impossible to do as an artist we're the most self-conscious people ever but yeah get over it <laughs> <laughs> so i saw to shift the conversation i saw recently that quinn tarantino was asked about other directors and he was comparing he was like oh david fincher is an amazing director but there's a difference between writing and directing your movies and just directing the movie you are a rapper producer. Do you view that sim- similarly? That there is a difference between a rapper writer, which a rapper producer, which used to be something that was held against you, and like it was held against Kanye, like oh you're just a rapper producer, you're not a rapper rapper. But now it's looked at like kind of like the directing writing at the same time. So kind of what is your opinion on being a rapper producer? First of all, I, I think Tarantino's wrong. I think just putting yourself out there as an artist and making, you know, taking risks with your your creative direction, like, doesn't fucking matter if you wrote and directed the movie because Quentin Tarantino could write and direct a movie that's ass. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, Christopher Nolan could just direct a movie that's fucking incredible, that's true to his vision. Yeah. And it immediately disproves that point. Like, writing, like, being a producer and an artist makes it easier for sure. And it lets mm-hmm. you stay true to your vision, like, I know what I want best in uh, like my, my own artistic direction. But dude, if you work with amazing producers that are better than you and more talented, the actual yeah. song is going to be better and has the chance to have a bigger impact. So, yeah. and Tarantino's made some movies that are poorly written. Like, Dust Till Dawn, what the fuck? Is, like, why did he cast himself? He's an atrocious actor <laughs> and it's, like, it's impossible yeah. to take him seriously as a second lead. Um, I haven't seen like, it. That might be the only one I haven't seen yet. I don't see Jackie. it. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> I just it's, watched Jackie A, a lot of people like it, time. but dude, he cast himself as like he has sex with Salma Hayek in it. Like he's a fucking dickhead. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a weird guy. No disrespect, Quentin. Nah, I don't care. Um, I <laughs> no think no one's good anyway. I'm a I'm a Nolan superior. He's he's made some incredible. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is one of my favorite movies ever. But um, you you could like make an argument for being a producer and a rapper makes you as a creative, like m- just more efficient. But yeah. at the end of the day, it comes down to the finished product and people are going to consider you a better director if the movie is as good as possible. And if you work with better writers than you, the movie's going to 
be better than it would have been if you wrote it. Yeah. So I I definitely love making beats. I love rapping on them. I've had songs that I produced that have done extraordinarily well, but I still think that when I make a song with like Elijah Who or Swum or or yeah. produced by Jay, the song's gonna be better than it would have been if I forced myself to do every last step of the process. And it's situational, yeah. of course, but like I don't like I don't like uh, generalizing the, the process. Like yeah. people make shit work with other people. I, I do think, however, Kanye having ninety five people helping was, with his piece. That was my literal next question. I was gonna say like the twenty guys yeah. in a hi hat. What's your opinion on that? Like, figure it out, dude. Like, <laughs> OD. First of all, he's he's making mid music now, but um, and it's not just because I'm Jewish, but he. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think if you're relying on that many people to to make something that you know is underwhelming, it's too much. You should take a step back from from art and remember why you started making it in the first place like i'm not knocking people that need a, a team like you know everyone's process is different some people yeah are just good performers and need you know 10 people in a studio to help them make a perfect yeah. song and if the perfect song is made then the job is done at the end of the day yeah but like if you're supposed to be one of the best producers and rapper combos of the generation and you've fallen off so hard that you need young people in the room to keep you some glimpse of relevant. Of yeah. relevant. It's like, it's hard to convince yourself that that's authentic art, you know? Yeah. But like I said, I'm not the spokesperson for what's art and what's not. It's, yeah, that, everyone likes different shit. You know, some people still like Kanye. Um, and Kanye is a good example, but a lot of artists have the same process. Yeah. Um, I love producers working together. I love sessions where a lot of people have different input on the same beat. It's, you know, yeah. creative energy and collaboration really guides, you know, good music. Mm -hmm. But he's not adding 28 other names to the, the feature list. of the, Like, he's not, yeah, not, yeah. not crediting 28 people for the, the hi-hats. He's, you know, it's... I could I could write an essay annoying. on this on this bullshit, but nah, he's, he's annoying as hell. It's frustrating we, we, for sure. I had to officially change my background from the uh, the uh, life of Pablo, him doing this to J Cole. I couldn't keep opening my phone and people being like, "Is that Kanye?" I'm like, "Yeah, I gotta change this." Yeah, man. And I separate a lot of art from artists depending on <laughs> what they're the, doing. the severity of shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, like if the artist is a terrible person, I immediately it discredits their music for me. Um, yeah, but I'll still listen to music and, you know, gauge opinions, not based on who the person is the same way I do it for a good person. Yeah. Um, like Lil Yachty could be the nicest person ever, but if he drops an ass song, it's an ass song. Um, don't know why people are still Chris Brown fans. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's Kanye. I'm still going to listen to whatever he drops and I'm still going to think he's a, a God awful person. Um, <laughs> Yep. It's just not going to resonate resonate with me yeah. the same way it used to. Even if he drops his best song of all time tomorrow, I'm going to yeah. be like, "It, it was it, this would have been amazing if he was, you know, not on the craziest downward spiral I've ever seen." Yeah, um, it's wild. I don't yeah. know. It's at, it's it's sad, but at the same time, let's figure shit out, man. Yeah. 
I'm also I'm a big fan of the rapper producer combo. That's obviously been a thing forever, but I love that that's such a popular thing. Like Boldy James, Nicholas Craven, or Alchemist, and any rapper who he makes become the best rapper in the world. Big fan of that too. I think Alchemist. I I I tweeted this a couple weeks back, and I got a lot of hate, which I don't know why, because I thought we were all on the same page about the Alchemist. Um, I I said he's one of the best A and R's of all time in terms of yeah his contributions to hip hop and what he's doing for this younger class of artists that are coming up making shit that isn't necessarily prevalent, but it's getting shine because of the the talent. Um, yeah. He's working with people that aren't going to make him a trillion dollars off an album. He's, he's genuinely putting these young rappers on because they're making incredible bodies of work. He's not dropping a million singles. He's dropping full albums with rappers like, he just dropped an amazing project with uh, Conway and West Side Gun. Yeah. Um, he he's doing you know full albums with Boldy James and Armin Hammer and uh, it, it says a lot about his ear mm-hmm. because everything he's done with in terms of full body of work with these rappers has been super consistent, front to back amazing listens. He's one of the best producers alive, one of my personal favorites. Um, I think he's like a godsend for. He's for awesome. rap and hip hop, yeah. yeah. Um, and there are a lot of other producers that are doing similar things. Like, I love the producer rapper combo. I attribute most of my success to the amazing producers that I'm lucky to work with. But uh, Alchemist is definitely like my favorite case of someone putting someone else on. And so, yeah, in, in this current content driven industry, he's still so focused on just the music. Um, and building his own thing. But that being said, uh, yeah, got a lot of hate for that that comment. And, you know, subjective. Well, I don't even know that what there is to the hate. It's just like... I say a lot really of bold shit artists. without doing... But I don't even think that's bold. He just, he just makes music with good low-key artists and makes them a little bit less low-key. I, I, I think the reason not. why people were mad at it is because I don't know every fucking A&R that's existed. I, I, I don't know the extent of... <laughs> How about Rick Barry Rubens. Gordy? <laughs> Yeah, it's like I, I really don't know the extent of like what Rick Rubin's done. I should probably research it. I um I know he cut uh, out the drums at the beginning of nine nine problems. Yeah, I he's he's obviously guy. a legend, but some of the yeah. stories make me make me cringe a little bit. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things in rap is and I talked about this before is the phrasing of things. I love artists who are able to display what they like outside of rap. And one of the biggest examples of that is Action Bronson. Who like I love just he you can just or like Westside Gun talking about wrestlers. Action Bronson is talking about random college he's sport teams he's putting a bet on, and you can like I just love seeing that his whole personality in his music, and I think you do that exceptionally well. I wrote down a couple references you made. Some of these are in the same song. Um, you reference Max and Ruby. Love that yeah. you reference Max Max Hell and Ruby yeah. on the new song. Amy, ugly as Amy Schumer. Uh, poor Amy Schumer. And you're good at, you're similar to Freddie Gibbs. You're really good at citing current trending topics. And I can tell like years down the line, you might forget like what that was a reference to, but hearing it currently, I'm like, oh, he made this recently because that just happened, <laughs> which, which um, I really I, enjoy. I work fast. I, I like getting my songs out while they're, while they're still fresh off the presses for sure. Um, you also reference, um, sh- sh- I'm not going to pronounce this right. Schmitty Van, the, the SpongeBob, he was number one, Smitty, Smitty Van. Whatever his name is, you referenced Jorgen von Strangle, who I had to look up to make sure I was thinking of the fairy odd parents. I'm like, is that the big guy? And that song that had a correct. lot of uh, that song had a lot of 
nostalgic yeah, cartoon were, references in it. That was Tides, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Tides. And uh, you said uh, in a sentimental mood, like John Coltrane. So uh, that's your sampling. And that's that's the Diablo beat, correct? Um, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. So like, what for you, do you ever have to think like this might be too obscure? Or do you just, I mean, I personally, when I do these references and no one gets it, I just do it for myself because I'm like, I'm clever as shit. Like, good for me. And if someone gets it, it's like, oh, that's even, even better. But like, what's your thought process when you're doing an obscure ass reference? The... You know, my, my writing process is very, it's not formulaic at all. Literally, first thing that comes to my mind, I write down. I'm not constantly redlining the shit I write. And yeah. I consume a fuck ton of media. And I'm mm-hmm. also a sucker for nostalgia. Um, I guess, like, the process with references is I think I naturally reference stuff a lot. And yeah. I hyperfixate on a bunch of different categories. First of all, um, baseball cartoons, old TV and movies, um, anime, like there, there are so many different things that I spend a lot of time circling back to and researching. So when I'm writing and shit's just flowing on the paper, I'm not seeking punchlines or, you know, one-liners that I know are going to be Instagram captions. Like it's literally just random references that fit into the rhyme scheme that they're they're always true to my interests and and the stuff that I consume like I'm never like feeling out a rhyme scheme knowing yeah. that like a name or person rhymes with <laughs> the the yeah, previous yeah. bar fits into the scheme and then I have to research them to make sure that they yeah. didn't murder anyone in the last 5 years like <laughs> I it, it just flows on and the the themes and imagery of my music all circle around nostalgia and I'd like to think I'm funny. My dad would say I'm the least funny person that exists judging by my, <laughs> my internet presence. But, um, I, I like to stay relevant on the internet by consuming internet at all yeah. fucking time. I'm, I'm cr- so chronically on social media. So I'm constantly just, you know, other people that are, are suckers for nostalgia and, and trapped in their, their childhood, I'm seeing a lot of people regressing on social media and posting old obscure shit. Um, makes me it, it puts me back in my bag and you know, when I when I'm writing music, especially tides, like the beat sounds like an eighties prom movie, which which I mentioned in the song. Like it's a very dreamy, um, yeah. you know, like ethereal, uh like city pop sampled beat. It just feels mm-hmm. like something from the 80s or 90s so just when i was in that mood and in that bag when i was writing it that's where that's just where my mind went and the the references are literally just all natural um a lot of my friends tell me like it's it's so insane how um you know tapping into such obscure (laughs) uh like titles and names but um i've always been doing that shit I, i love referencing stuff i I have so many interests that i try to tie into music yeah and it's it shows in my in my lyrics for sure but i, I appreciate you recognizing the the obscure no i love it car- cartoons because that's that's something that i like i fall asleep to fairly odd parents and jimmy neutron and um and i'm shows. watching like uh, i'm watching a lot of tv that i haven't watched in 
the shows are funny, like years. very low key as an adult. Like they make a lot of jokes for adults, and they're like, oh. Well, it's a different like you have a different perspective watching it now than when you were a kid, and you realize there's there's different nuances and stuff that you didn't understand. Yeah. And, like if um, you rewatch Shrek, it's hilarious. Like there's so many adult jokes in Shrek, which I have. It's great. It's, now. it's great. Um, it's for everybody, but the the references are literally just be because I consume so much media and yeah, the. I'm glad that they work as punchlines and I'm glad that when you hear something that you feel like only you know, like yeah, in your group of friends when was the last time you guys talked about fucking Max and Ruby. It's <laughs> it, no, it's, it's something that it, it's something that like I'll be writing and the words just materialize on the page. The I I'm not thinking about my flows or my 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 rhyme schemes. Literally my writing process is just hear the beat starts happening in my head and yeah. when I think of a reference like that and it, you know, just appears on the page. Feeling. I'd fucking like, I rejoice. It's, it's su- yeah. such a good feeling. That's how like me, me and my camp friends, we talk in quotes and I could quote like Truman Show in Interstellar or I can quote other guys. Like we can, we literally just talk in movie quotes and then like, I, so I just love including that in my music. And if one of them gets it and texts me like, oh, I heard that line. I'm like, yes, thank God you got it. Or I'm a huge NBA fan, so I made a line about Dion Waiters and Tim Hardaway and the Rising Stars Challenge in like 2014. They kept going back and forth shooting threes, and I'm like, "That's a really good reference by me." I don't know if anyone uh, will get that. Yeah, and, but and like, the second you write it, you're like, "Fuck yeah, people are gonna like, fuck with this." So actually, I just started yeah, doing um, a weekly series where I like, summarize what happened in big hip hop news every week. So if you watch it, you'll see that I have to explain to my parents as they're watching the videos what the cultural references mean because I'm like, people who get it will love this, and it's very niche. But I'm like, <clears throat> trying to think of an example from this episode. I had to explain, like, I made a South Park reference when Randy Marsh plays Lord, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. And I, had to exp- and I said, because Ice Spice made a line about, thank you the shit, but you're not the fart. And I said, maybe J. Cole secretly, like Randy Marsh and Lord, like he's in the bathroom with the Ice Spice wig writing music for her. And <laughs> if you like South Park, you love that reference. If you don't, you're like, I don't really get it, but like, it's a cute joke from that guy. It's, dude, I I honestly also had a, a Randy Marsh Lord bar, and I, there's <laughs> Lord, something Lord, about Lord. South Park references, too, that I'm I'm always so happy to, to hear in the wild. That's another one of my biggest influences. Yeah, shout out to them. Uh, yeah. Now, I have a question I've wanted to ask you for years since I've seen this video. What was the aftermath of that girl pulling the mic away from you? So bad. It was, it was so bad. <laughs> Did you, like, flip, was, were you like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, I mean, I understood her reasoning, and there's no bad blood. The The worst part about this whole situation was, yeah, super embarrassing, um, huge party foul. Like, you don't do that to an artist. You don't rip the mic out of their hand. Yeah. And by the way, for anyone watching this interview and doesn't know what's going on, in uh, 2020, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, in, so the video you just saw, in, in 2020, I was doing a, a show benefiting Black Lives Matter um, in DC, the same day, me and my friends went to the George Floyd protest outside the Capitol building, which was the biggest protest in American history. Mm-hmm. It was fucking. It was a phenomenal day. It was was a uh, really cool to just you know be part Good of it and be there in solidarity, and it, it was so cool. Um, the energy was amazing. It was you know met a lot of great people, but we had a we we booked a virtual show so we could raise some money. Mm-hmm. And I was the only white artist on the bill. And uh, th- so the thought process with her ripping the mic out of my hand was 
um, there was a time limit at the like at the venue, mm-hmm. and they were going to kick us out because we were doing the virtual show at a you know an actual venue space, yeah. and we couldn't go over the time limit. They would end the live stream, and there were um, a couple other artists that were black that the host who ripped the mic out of my hand, she was like, they have to perform. Which, yeah. by the way, her thought process was solid. The, you know, yeah, the, I, I completely understand. And I would have not done my set if it meant they would have Other more. People. Like, I, I didn't, you know, there yeah. was no issue there. The The issue just was how she did it. Just, like, ripped the mic out of my hand. She could have literally just looked at me and said, like, you know, we have Time to stop. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not... It, it was just embarrassing, and I was—I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react. I looked like a fucking idiot. Luckily, I think you, you look know. fine. I think you look good in it because you're just like kind of laughing about what just happened. Which yeah, because like I'm never—I'm not confrontational. I'm not the type of person to like fucking freak out. I'm gonna, you know, keep keep a cool head. Um, it, I just looked like I just felt stupid. Um, yeah. But under like it was me and like she said sorry immediately after when I told her that I was upset. I got in my car and drove back from DC to New York like instantly, and she called me and like apologized. Um, but the aftermath was crazy because it blew up. It went mega, mega viral, and then people started posting her full name, address, uh, where she works, her social medias in the comments, and I was like, "What the fuck? Why do people? Care? This is crazy that they're this ma- like." Stream my music if you want to support. Don't. Yeah. I'm not. I, I didn't post this so that you could go attack this girl. She, like, she meant well. Like, she she yeah. wasn't trying to embarrass me. She just was dumb as hell and did that. But, yeah, she got hella doxxed. She got fired from her job. I think she was getting death threats. People were calling her. They leaked her phone number. Um, I felt fucking miserable for her. I felt so bad. Um, she was. She hired a lawyer. They like started. They did a cease and desist. My lawyer was like, "Absolutely fucking not." There's you have no case. This the, the show was live streamed on Ben's Twitch, and he's the subject of the video. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no yeah. case here. Um, so like, the song that was playing Terrapin was going mega viral because of the video, obviously, and it was blowing up. So at that point, I had to think more about my career, and I was yeah. erasing every comment bashing her or posting her info but i'm obviously not going to ruin this opportunity where i got embarrassed to turn it into something that's going to benefit me yeah because i thought i looked dumb as hell like i I didn't yeah i didn't want this shit to happen (laughs) but song blew up my manager and my lawyer were like you're absolutely not taking the video down in fact you should post it like five (laughs) which ended up happening the doxing kept happening the back and forth it was it was a really rough situation and i felt really bad about it um yeah, it led to it led to a lot of really bad personal shit between everyone yeah. um involved <laughs> and almost got sued. There was just no case there, but um Terrapin popped off. That's really the aftermath. <laughs> I live it's in a LA great now. song. The song or the video still lives on on the internet and it's everywhere still. I I erased the original TikTok account I posted it on because people were only commenting shit about that video on everything That's I posted crazy. and I I really just did I wanted to distance myself from it but yeah um 
rough time. It was COVID too. So I was just sitting in, in quarantine every day, just like feeling like I was caught in like a crazy crossfire between my, my team and her lawyers. And looking back, I mean, just maybe be smarter about the decisions you make when there's yeah. a camera on you. Understandable. Well, I want to end yep. this on a more <laughs> positive note, but I want to give you this moment to talk about what you got coming, whether that's concerts or anything. Tag your socials for this episode so everyone can follow you. And yeah, what was coming for ben, from Ben Beal? Um, I have a song called Rocky is dropping next week or two weeks. Yeah, um, January 26th. It's about my local deli in Westchester that I grew up going to. It's you Shout know, Rockies. It's a deli that people drive hours for. It's fucking phenomenal. But um, more importantly, it's about the the drive to the deli. It's about all the drives I've taken throughout my life and how at the time it just seemed like a quick little road trip to get a sandwich. But looking back, it was like some of the best memories I've ever had were just in the cars, smoking weed, listening to good music while on the way to get these sandwiches. Um you know, about the journey, not the destination. So love that song. Super excited for it. Um, I'm dropping an album with One Two, who's yeah, 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 I'm freaking out. He's he's been one of my favorite producers forever. So he's amazing. Really cool to see, um, you know, a finished product that we we work so hard on together. Um, he just dropped an album with Conway too, so I feel like it couldn't have come at a better time. He's starting to really get his reps in with um, producing for rappers, and I feel like we're a perfect combination together. There's just so much space and his beats really float. Like it, it gave me the freedom to really do some some risky and experimental um mm. you know song directions on, on there. So super excited for that. Um gonna announce it soon. And then I'm also working on my own solo album that kinda took a backseat wow. when the one two album started materializing. That's called Clumsy. I announced it on my last tour. But it's 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 almost done. It's just there I have this thing where second I finish an album and I listen to it, I'm like, I could do better. So did yeah. some surgery on it and I'm, you know, circling back. Me and me and my producer friends are, are working every day on it. But look out for looking at birds releases dropping literally every fucking yes, Friday. Sir. It's separated from Ben Beal. It's it's just consider it me having fun. In my Bars studio, and beats. exactly, it's it's its own catalog. It's gonna it's gonna coexist and live separately. But super fucking hyped about that. Um, no shows or tour announcements yet, but I, I just actually had a big tour that fell through, where I was I was supporting someone. Kind of happy about it though, because um, I'm trying to get to a point this year where I could sell out any city in the in the country. Love to um, hear that. At the moment, I can't do that without my super talented friends, but uh, yeah. we're we're working towards it. So look out for that. And I'm at I'm Ben Beal on every social media. I am B E N B E A O. <clears throat> well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you made it this far into the podcast, thank you so much. Give us a like, follow, subscribe on YouTube. Follow me, Adam Dash on Twitter. I'm trying to trying to get get my followers up. I need to I need to talk to more people. Hell yeah! I'll, you you have my cosign. Super hyped to be part of this. And down anytime you want to want to chop it up. Thank you, man. Well, thank you guys for joining in, and we'll see you next time. Peace.